This week on Viewpoints. And I hope that now that Americans have gotten more used to wearing masks, that we will also consider wearing these during periods of high rates of flus and colds. The benefits of face coverings past COVID. Then, according to some studies, the McDonald's arches are more recognizable worldwide than the Christian cross. The global appeal of the fast food chains we frequent and love. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Get this. Right now, Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season, and I just saved big. I got my kids jumping beans must-haves for under five bucks. Found myself some tees and tank tops for $5.99 and got 60% off patio furniture. The best part? I didn't need any coupons. I earned Kohl's cash and I got everything with free store pickup. So yeah, you could say today was a good day. Select styles ends May 22nd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Long before COVID-19 took hold across the globe, face masks were commonplace in many East Asian countries. This includes places like China, Japan, South Korea, Thailand, and other nearby nations. These cloth or surgical synthetic fiber-based masks have not just been used when people are sick, but in a variety of cases. The covering helps in preventing allergies, protecting against air pollution or sun damage, and even helps people get some extra privacy when in a crowded space. When flu season picks back up later this year, many populations across East Asia will preemptively mask up again as a form of protection. Especially if an individual is sick, it's considered basic etiquette to put a face mask on in order to stop the spread of infection. For years, Dr. William Jankowiak has studied these cultural norms with an emphasis on societal standards in China. Jan Koviak is a professor of anthropology at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and a recognized expert on urban Chinese society. Looking back in history, he says that experts can't pinpoint exactly when face masks were first seen in East Asia, but there was an uptick in their use starting in the early 1900s. Chinese researchers were responding to general health crises, cholera, smallpox, malaria, and they realized that these were transmitted through the air. And so they designed and by stitching their own face masks. And they really encouraged people to wear it. While education and literacy rates in these regions were low at this time, the government reached civilians through a variety of methods. I remember in the 1981, when I was in Inner Mongolia, at the start of every movie, there would be a little short five minutes showing germs through a microscope and telling people that this was something that you didn't see, but was real. So you can see in that cultural environment where the educational level was quite low in terms of transmitting, the mask 
would become one of the ways which people might not understand how the process went, but the intellectuals did. And so they encouraged sick people particularly to wear the mask. So it became somewhat associated, if you will, with when you're sick, you should wear a mask. Jan Koviak says that in these early years, there were mixed uses for masks, the two big ones being health versus beauty. Because of this, face coverings were viewed by some as a feminine item. I discovered only 25% of the men wore it in the winter, but about 85 plus percent of the women did. And these are women and men who were not sick. So why do they wear the mask? Where I was, was very cold. And it was thought, and accurately so, that if you wore a mask, the, the hot air would blow back on your face. And so you'd stay warm. And when I pushed women on why they wore it, they said it also protected your face from drying out. And so the idea of keeping a more moist, fresh face was really at the forefront for women. So why did only 25% of the men wear it? And because it wasn't manly, they would even remember teasing. This would be like junior high school, maybe high school, teasing guys who wore it and calling them horse mouth. And the idea is that real men don't wear it. Now, again, you also saw that in the spring where they would have a thing called da feng, the big wind. These would be 50, 60, 70 miles an hour wind and blue sand from the Gobi Desert in. And you would see overwhelmingly women wearing masks to, again, to protect their skin. So we have a health issue, but we also have a beauty issue. Fast forward to the 1920s in China, and wearing masks for medical reasons became much more common. But with these items available for purchase in the U.S., why were masks so much more common in China and other East Asian cultures? Jankoviak says that much of the answer lies in Chinese cultural and societal norms. China's what we would call a tight culture. America, but it depends on the particular state in America, but if you look at the East Coast and West Coast, they'd be called loose culture, meaning there's norms, but they give a lot more slack if you break the norms. Tight cultures don't give slack on breaking the norms. And so out of that, once something gets established, it becomes normative to follow a pattern that everyone else is doing, regardless of how you personally might feel. So once you begin seeing the mask being associated with something that protects you, and then gets extended out, you protect those who are sick by wearing it. So you can see the mental template is already set way before we have the SAR and the COVID influenza outbreaks that Chinese are set, if you will, to protecting themselves and each other. Before the 21st century, there were no specific Chinese government directives saying when and where citizens had to wear a mask. It wasn't until recently that these guidelines became much more formalized in China and other countries around the world. For millions of Americans, the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic was the first time they had bought and worn a face mask. The idea behind it was completely foreign, and this newness required experts to break down how a mask works. One of these experts is Dr. Lindsay Marr, a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Virginia Tech. Marr studies the transmission of viruses in the air. Airborne viruses move around in the air in very small particles. And the way that face masks work is that they block those particles, they trap them. And so they work in both directions. If you happen to be infected and you're wearing a mask, the mask blocks those viruses that are coming out of your nose and mouth and prevents them from getting into the air where they would could float around for a while and other people could be exposed. 
and masks also work to protect you, they can block at least partially particles, virus particles that are in the air that you would otherwise breathe in, they get trapped by the mask. So I should clarify that virus particles when they're released into the air are carried in respiratory droplets that are really tiny and we call them aerosols. They're too small to see. They move around like cigarette smoke particles. And different masks have different rates of efficacy. Most Americans are familiar with cloth masks, but if you're looking for the greatest level of protection, Mars says respirator masks like a KN95 or a KF94 offer high rates of filtration and a tight fit on the face, creating an insulated barrier. Past respirators, there are surgical masks and then cloth masks. If you have a good fitting cloth mask with a filter built in, you can get very high levels of overall filtration efficiency, but uh, the poor quality cloth mask, just a single layer of a loosely woven material isn't going to block much. So kind of from top to bottom, when we're talking about the respirators, we're looking at 90% or better protection. If we're talking about surgical masks, it might be oh, 50%, but it's pretty variable depending on the fit. And for a cloth mask, it can be anywhere from single digits to if it's a good fitting one with a filter, maybe 60 to 80% protective. With the pandemic winding down, you might be wondering, why are we still talking about face coverings right now? Well, these items can be useful in protecting against more than just COVID. Over the past couple of years, while we've been wearing masks and doing other things that also help prevent transmission of COVID, like trying to avoid crowded indoor spaces and social distancing and things like that, we have seen almost no flu at all. It's starting to come back now, but you know, typically we'll have thousands of cases of flu every winter and tens of thousands of deaths. And we just did not see that the past couple of years. And I hope that now that Americans have gotten more used to wearing masks, that we will also consider wearing these during periods of high rates of flus and colds and COVID in the future, and that it's more acceptable and also hopefully more accepted that if someone's coughing in public, that hopefully they, well, first of all, ideally they should be at home, but if they are, that they're wearing a mask. For so long, American norms meant powering through sickness and still showing up for work or a social event. However, Marr hopes that this pandemic has made people more aware of the importance of staying in when sick, or at the very least wearing a mask to protect others. Looking back on the past two years, Jankoviak says COVID-19 has become an interesting test case on face masks. Across the country, they're now available for purchase at nearly every pharmacy, grocery chain, and store. If you go out wearing a mask, it's much more accepted today than before the pandemic. This was not normative in American culture at all. And now I think you're going to see it in certain pockets at certain times. It'll be interesting to see if this develops. First ad hoc, but then that. Also, what's enforcing the norm is the hospitals. But here in Nevada, if you go to any hospital, you have to wear a mask. The hospitals are enforcing on their own. It's not the government in Nevada, but the hospitals are. So all of a sudden, you can see how that would be the repetition. If you go to the hospital, you wear a mask, and all of a sudden, they associate a mask protects you against disease. It helps you and also others. So that becomes kind of like a vehicle, if you will, to internalize a new normative element that then can be extended out into society. In East Asian countries, Jankoviak has no doubt that mask wearing will continue post-pandemic. 
For the U.S., only time will tell. What else will we do with the piles and piles of masks scattered around our house? To find out more about this topic and our guests, Dr. William Jankowiak and Dr. Lindsay Marr, visit viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, exploring America's deep-rooted ties to fast food when Viewpoints returns. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. With prices soaring at the pump, filling up can be stressful. That's why Discover has your back with cashback. Use Discover to earn 5% cashback at gas stations and Target, now through June, on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with your Discover It card. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a scary movie victim. Oh no, a tree fell on my car, and there's only one thing to do. Trip over my own feet and pull myself across the lawn while yelling help at a barely audible volume. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt, but you filed a claim with GEICO, so you've got a designated claims team to help you. This GEICO sounds suspiciously reassuring. Are you sure I don't end up getting surprised with an unexpected twist? Just that your GEICO team will always be there to keep you updated. No! What is it? Oh, nothing. I just didn't see that coming. GEICO. Great service. Without all the drama. Uh, hey, Dad, cool if I change this? They may not get each other's music, but they can both get a COVID-19 booster shot because the CDC recommends booster shots for people 12 years and older after completion of a primary series. Schedule an appointment as soon as you are eligible. Sponsored by BioNTech and Pfizer. Whether you frequent it or not, fast food is a part of American culture. Most of us share fond memories of opening up a McDonald's Happy Meal or grabbing a Wendy's Chocolate Frosty on a warm summer night. Whatever it may be, these fast food items and chains are ubiquitous while living in the U.S. There's a Texas chain called Whataburger, which is wildly popular. It's in about 10 states now, but it was born in Texas and is really part of the Texas iconography. And yeah, my friends and I used to go there. It was the last thing we did before our curfews when we were in high school is go to Whataburger and get hamburgers or they start serving breakfast at 11 p.m., which is kind of a stroke of brilliance for a company to start serving breakfast food for people who are going to the road or on their way back from a night out and just want to have something kind of comforting. That's Adam Chandler, journalist and author of Drive Through Dreams, a journey through the heart of America's fast food kingdom. Chandler lives in Brooklyn, New York now, but grew up in Houston, Texas, where Friday night football and a greasy hamburger with french fries are king. Whenever I go back to Texas to visit family or see friends, 
I have to stop at Whataburger. It's part of setting the place of where I am. It reminds me of home. So I think it'll always be part of that experience for me. Chandler has always been interested in the evolution and prevalence of fast food, tracing its roots all the way back to 100 years ago. To be historically accurate, fast food is about 100 years old. You can trace it back to the founding of two chains, A&W and White Castle, which sort of presented this kind of highly regimented, systematized, very uniform production and made it accessible to Americans. And when I say all those words, I kind of mean it as this was a time when there wasn't a lot of public trust in where you ate and what you'd get there. So what they did was create a product that was extremely consistent. Wherever you went, it was the exact same. But nowadays, things are a lot different. There's a menu item for almost every craving. And in some towns, it seems like on every corner there's another drive through from McDonald's Golden Arches to the pink and orange Dunkin' Donuts logo. Chandler says this rapid growth came with the mass construction of highways and the move away from dirty cities to a shiny new suburbia. The last 50 or 60 years, you can trace fast food to the building of the highways after World War II. And that creation of the suburbs and families moving out, white flight from uh, urban centers, and really a more mobile American workforce. People had commutes and they wanted to go out and they wanted to eat quickly. They needed places to go when they were on the road. And as women entered the workforce, basically fast food became more of a stand-in for a traditional family meal. It became less important to eat your meals at home and more important to have everyone gather quickly and cheaply. While White Castle and A&W were the first fast food chains, the success of McDonald's changed the industry forever. The burger joint's operation model quickly gained the attention of other brands. McDonald's specifically was such an operation that people were envious of and it spawned all kinds of chains. Burger King was one major chain, Taco Bell. All of these places either started in Southern California or were founded, you know, chains were founded by people who'd taken a trip to San Bernardino, California to see the original McDonald's in action and copied it mercilessly, replicated the model that they used. No tableware, no plates, no waitstaff. It was served through a window, paper wrapping, everything you could throw away, disposable and quick and cheap. And that became the model for what we see today, even still. While the main operation models have stayed largely similar to the past, menu items have largely shifted in recent decades. One of the biggest differences is the obvious change in portion sizes. Even in the days of White Castle, the little sliders that you think of when you think of White Castle were kind of a norm for the day. They weren't huge. And even diner burgers at that time were pretty small. But after World War II, as we sort of reached this moment of prosperity where beef was cheap and Americans had money to spend on food, we start to see the portion sizes grow quicker and quicker as more people have access to food, as refrigeration becomes extremely commonplace after being kind of something that only certain people had. You know, American policy really favors food that's made cheaply. And that just means that the portion sizes go bigger and bigger. And that's seen as a virtue for a lot of Americans to have a really large meal for cheap, even though there are obviously plenty of drawbacks to that model. But as consumer preferences shift, 
Fast food companies must find different ways to stay current in the competitive restaurant industry. A prime example of this response by companies is the recent introduction of plant-based meat on the menu. You can get that at White Castle. You can get that at Burger King. You can get Beyond Meat at Dunkin' Donuts now. And these are all things that are going to drive people to be a little bit more curious who may not have sought it out. I don't think it's necessarily for diehard vegetarians or people who are vegan or sensing that they want to change their diet so much as people who are just kind of curious about what the trend is and seeing, you know, is this something that I want to incorporate in my life? So in that way, it's kind of exciting. Finding new ways to appeal to larger demographics and stay in touch with an ever-changing customer base are two challenges. However, many chains have found success by listening to customer feedback and being vocal on several social media platforms. The Twitter presences of certain brands really speak to younger consumers in a way that they don't necessarily speak to the same as older consumers. There was the story of a guy who tweeted out to Wendy's, how do I get a year of free chicken nuggets? How many retweets do I need? And they responded 18 million which has never been done before. The most had been three million, which was uh, Ellen DeGeneres at the Oscars. Everyone knows that famous selfie. But this young kid from Nevada named Carter Wilkerson really decided, you know what, I'm gonna give this a shot. So he started tweeting it out and he had 150 followers when it started and he actually broke Ellen's record because there was something so recognizable and fun about quest of a teenage kid wanting to have a year-free supply of nuggets. And it's not just younger generations that are drawn to the fun of fast food. Many American chains have found success outside of our borders. When you look at the menu items that have opened up in different countries, you really kind of see this local refraction of tastes filtered through a place like McDonald's or KFC or Taco Bell or Burger King. It's exciting to see kosher Big Macs at McDonald's in Israel. It's fun to go to a Taco Bell in India and have no beef on the menu at all. And I think that those are interesting reflections of what they call globalization, which is this local sensibility sort of projected onto these global brands. So there is something kind of jarring about seeing a major brand in a faraway place that's recognizable. According to some studies, the McDonald's arches are more recognizable worldwide than the Christian cross, which is crazy if you think about it. On a given day, around 84 million adults eat fast food, according to the CDC. This equates to more than a third of all American adults. It's safe to say that fast food chains are here to stay. Who knows what the next big menu item or sweeping trend in fast food will be? Only time will tell. To find out more about our guest, Adam Chandler, visit viewpointsradio.org. Also, check out his book on the history of fast food, titled drive Through Dreams, A Journey Through the Heart of America's Fast Food Kingdom. For more behind-the-scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment originally aired in September 2019 and was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. 
COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Better skin from your body wash? Try Olay Body Wash with skincare super ingredient collagen. Olay Body Wash with collagen hydrates to rejuvenate skin surface cells for healthier looking skin in just 14 days. From dry and dull to firm and radiant. So I can step into my day feeling my best in my skin. And now try Olay Body Lotion, which hydrates for visibly firmer skin that improves over time. Olay Body, fearless in my skin. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. In 1986, audiences were first introduced to a little movie called Top Gun, a slick Tom Cruise-led instant classic from director Tony Scott. Now, you probably know about Top Gun, but as a refresher, it follows a group of elite U.S. Navy pilots. It's a high-octane aerial action movie. It's a classic soundtrack gem of a film with songs from Kenny Loggins, the Righteous Brothers, and an all-timer of a movie theme. Now, after many pandemic delays, audiences are being reintroduced to the world of elite Navy pilots in Top Gun Maverick, a direct sequel to the original that sees Tom Cruise return to one of his most iconic roles. He's joined in the movie by Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, and John Hamm, and Val Kilmer and Jennifer Connelly also return to reprise their roles from the original. With a lead single from Lady Gaga that's evocative of those 1980s romance films and soaring reviews, Top Gun Maverick seems poised to place another must-see film in theaters in 2022. It's nice to have another zeitgeisty movie that the whole family can head to the theaters and enjoy. So crank that music and keep your eyes glued to the screen. It's Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick will be in theaters on May 27th. I'm Evan Rucker. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Gain presents a tale of longing and long-lasting scent. Dear love of my life, we were on the 12B bus when I caught a whiff. A scent so fresh, so life-changing, I had to find its source. I didn't know if you were the woman in the pink freshly washed cardigan or the retired mailman next to me, but I knew one of you was my soulmate. Ah, the scent of Gain Flings. Add Gain Scent Beads for an even longer lasting scent. That's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. 
Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints.